You're listening to Once, episode 145, Bleeding Through. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us as we discuss this episode, Bleeding Through. We only have four episodes left. I know. And you know what I've just realized? What? The female co-hosts on the show never have last names. Whoa. Well, Hunter Hathaway. Well, okay. And Hunter and Jacqueline will be joining us later on in the episode, and they'll be sharing some spoilers with us. But we've got some interesting things to discuss with you on this, I'd say, interesting and somewhat mind-bending episode. When you start trying to figure out kingdoms and kings and relationships. Yeah. Timelines. Yeah. Was it mind-bending or was it just confusing? Maybe confusing is the better word. It It was confusing. Well, let's start out by talking about the past to try and help bring some clarity to this. A very good place to start. It starts out with Cora at the tavern. And like I mentioned in our initial reactions, big thanks to Jenny for joining me for that. <laughs> that was so nice. I listened to the initial reactions. It yeah. was good hearing Jenny on the a, podcast. A lot of people said similar. They sent tweets and comments and emails saying, it was so great to hear Jenny on the podcast again. <laughs> but... <laughs> I think Cora is my favorite character. And those people in the tavern agree with you because <laughs> I heard you say that. And then we watched this again and I noticed that the, the fir- her first scene in the episode, everybody goes, yeah, Cora, there she is. And I just thought that was very appropriate. It's kind of how we reacted the last time we saw Cora mm-hmm. in Once Land. It was actually me in that tavern saying that, that I played oh, well, one of the awkward. roles. Well, in the credits, there's actually someone listed for Drunken Charlie. When, and, is that your name? No, um, mm. but there is also Drunken Charlie's friend. Oh, so you're drunk. So you were Drunken Charlie's designated horse and cart driver. Exactly. Okay. But Cora gave a little bit of a moral lesson here. Someone once told me to act like what you plan to be, so I try to be a little better than what I am. Well. If that little performance at the end of the scene was a little better than she actually is, I'm very sorry for her. <laughs> We're essentially married. Really? Yes, because you have straw around your finger. <laughs> so much for acting like a lady. Yeah, she's a bit naive. At best. <laughs> at best. And here's something, though, to consider with this. Because we need some clarity in the context of all of this stuff. Where she is, I think, is not close to Prince Leopold's kingdom. Because uh, I would agree. This fake Jonathan, or maybe it's a real Jonathan, but fake Prince Jonathan, <laughs> said that he's been staying here for a week. And then he has to leave. Right. And if you can see the castle, I'm not sure why you would do that. And There was a castle in the distance. Oh, there was? There was. Okay. Yeah. The not-so-distant distance. And at one point, she did say later on in the episode, Cora said her friends had said she might find answers at the castle. So Right, which does make it sound like the nearby one. Yeah. But nearby, 
Yeah, if you can see it, like Cincinnati to us is nearby. It yeah. would take many many a, a day to walk there. True, or longer. That's true. But it is nearby. Yeah, I'd probably stay a week if I. <laughs> if you had, had to, to walk for a day, twenty thirty miles. That's true. Yeah, how much long or how far must a man walk? Really, that's that's what it all comes down to. I suppose so. Well, and so. she Cora seemed to be showing more. As she spent time with Leopold, which I don't know if it's just because it was cold and they were layering her, but like her pregnancy, I mean, like they, it, she seemed to look like she was a little bit pregnant in the outdoor scene. Oh. And I know she's not. So interesting. Um, I wondered like how long they actually spent together. Well, their outdoor scene was two months after she'd gotten pregnant. Oh, sure. Right. But then. Well, that was her and Jonathan, right, right? right? But then later, which I know we'll get to, but later she seemed to grow a little bit more as she was spending <laughs> time with Leopold. Yeah, maybe. But what happens here, I, I love the little reference with turning the straw into gold. And yeah. um, as Mr. Jonathan drops his handkerchief which you don't need to call him mister when, when i saw that i know you oh, don't oh come on that is i know so obvious the old I didn't. oh you weren't supposed to see that here's the problem though and then she falls for it <laughs> even the stuff that's supposed to be in like like genuine is that awkward in the show sometimes so i really wasn't yeah. picking up on the fact that it was intentional <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> So they were all like, Love is an open door. Love is an open door. Life can be so much more. With you. With you. Love is an open door. And then Jonathan's all like, Can I say something crazy? Will you marry me? And then Cora's all like, can I say something even crazier? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And oh, that's that awesome. where the cute and romantic stuff stopped. <laughs> Good job. Oh, my. Yeah. Never marry someone you just met. That day. <laughs> well, she did know him for about a week hey they were gonna be engaged for at least two weeks that they were gonna be apart except she decided they were essentially married like at that table from a moral perspective here i'm glad that this didn't turn out well well yeah i mean yeah because of what it could seem like this was endorsing right but uh it, it really turns out that he was just hunting basically looking mm -hmm. for someone he's a predator Basically. Yeah, although he did not really, it was not his idea, <laughs> at least not in the sense of, I mean, obviously it was a con, so maybe that's what he was hoping she would decide. But yeah, he yeah. was fishing. He was yeah, manipulating sure. her emotions. I, I, yeah, he, like, we can say he didn't suggest it, but he, you know, it wasn't just like her idea either. Mm -hmm. So. Right. Yeah. But then two weeks later. On their planned rendezvous. He's not there. I actually felt sorry for her, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, again, I must ask the same thing I asked in the initial reactions. D, 
Did you not see Frozen? <laughs> no, don't. No, in the timeline, this, this was long before Frozen was yes. created. Maybe it was the party talking, or maybe the chocolate fondue. <laughs> that might be the only thing I know about the timeline in this episode is that this was before Frozen came out. For sure. <laughs> well, unless you go along with the Pixar Disney theory. No. Oh my. <laughs> But from when she goes and finds Jonathan and discovers who he really is and all of this, and when Leopold comes, he's like, I'm Prince Leopold. She's like, another prince? Here's another question, right? (laughs) Pertinent to this. What was she carrying when she found Jonathan? A little bag? Because I I felt like it had the feeling of, oh, I was just on my way home from the village, and I happened by this gazebo, and there you are. She but, had like it looked like food, like how they would use to pack food up, to right? So carry, which suggests more of a longer hike. Yeah. So I I just couldn't remember. I wasn't sure what she was carrying because that establishing where she is and where this is in the timeline, I think that's kind of important. Well, and then she threw it down and and then told Leopold he took everything I had. Well, like right. Leopold obviously didn't look too hard because then he would have seen all of her stuff. <laughs> it could have just been a bag of flour or wheat or something because remember she is the miller's daughter right but if she i think my point is that if she had to travel pretty far to get there she wasn't just carrying some random bag of flour or wheat Mm -hmm. who does that she would be carrying something necessary for her trip and if it was a bag of flour or wheat then she probably wasn't far from home right but it did take her two months to get around to going to the castle. True. When <laughs> when you want to know where your fiancé is, you probably go a little sooner than that. So, okay. So, Leopold shows up. And I'm like, okay, different actor. Didn't really go for the younger angle. So, how the heck old was Leopold supposed to be when he when we saw him next? Well, um, next, are you saying chronologically? As in, like, when he went to marry Snow? Yeah. Like stable. Which, no. by the way, how weird is that? Um, that yo, he, loved he, Snow he married did, Regina. Regina. Or Yeah, that's what I mean. Right, Regina. <laughs> no, I, I almost said the same thing, because it was all still... It was wrapped up in that same story, and it was still practically marrying a child. And she was very young in any case. Well, it's at least 20 years later, right? Or like 18 years later, because Regina isn't born yet. And they have said Regina was 18 Mm. when she married Leopold. Yeah, but I feel like Leopold would have to have been like 60 when he married Regina. Because he certainly didn't look any younger than 40. Am I wrong? Uh, In this episode? No, but that's like, that's kind of what kingdoms and stuff were like i don't know they look the two men look the same age to me and, it was odd yeah and don't go based though on the balding and the gray hair though because some younger guys can have that well i mean i'm going bald that's true but for the intentions of the show they have a lot of control over an actor's appearance and true. if you're going to cast somebody else they have a lot of control over the casting as well so i it, it just further confuses the timelines in my mind and how he well, could not recognize Cora seemingly later, that was all very strange to me. Yeah, I have a note about that later, too. But even Ava, 
has a like there's an it's a different actor playing Snow's mom. Um well not in, young Ava. Right. That's so who young, played Ava, young Ava before. Right. But so Ava Oh I see like, what you're saying though. Like so a lot of time has had to have passed. Right. So maybe But not Leopold that much was actually because, supposed to be older than I thought when yeah. he married Regina. But Zelina and Regina seem the same. Like, they don't seem like Zelina's like 10 years older than her. Well, they don't seem so, like sisters at all to me. But Right. <laughs> yeah, well, no. And remember that Leopold was engaged to Ava since her birth. And True. you probably don't engage mm-hmm. a little boy to an unborn child. You might engage. I mean, yeah, it's what? still really weird, but. <laughs> to even for one of them to get engaged, it seems like they'd have to be at marriage age no. to just be engaged well, and then wait for the other one to grow up well, to be marriage age for them to actually marry. Think about, maybe, I- unless my memory is failing me, the the animated Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Prince Philip is decently older and they're kind of like, here's this baby. You're going to marry her someday. Well, he wasn't like, he was like still a child well yes but he was like seven or right well yeah it wasn't like a man and they're like hey when this child grows up your wife yeah it's the same in the movie the swan princess um derek who is the prince uh, is like they make the plan that he's gonna marry odette who is the swan princess as soon as she's born and he's like you know five or six or four or Mm. something like he's He's got a lot of hair and stuff <laughs> already. So he's not an infant, but they make that plan. Like her parents, her dad and his mom make that plan. So right. maybe what they planned to do is just lock her in this bedroom and keep her there until she's old enough to invite the kingdom to a big party. And then her sister <laughs> ruins the party for her. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we got but some I, feedback on a couple points here. Uh, one of them is a post in the forums. Uh, several people are that general happiness that Rumple and Leo, neither of them, are actually Zelina's father. How could there be any question about that? Oh wait! Well, after mind, this episode, no. Uh, I yeah, I misunderstood what you said. I understand okay. that, <laughs> but why? Why were people thinking that Leopold was her father? Well, just trying to figure out. Oh, they probably saw a spoiler that Leopold was cast. No, you're back. probably right. <laughs> Sorry, people. I'm just guessing. We love you. <laughs> and I knew Rose McGowan little... was coming back, so. I'll admit oh, that. you did. You did. Hmm. I didn't know that. Well, because I follow her on Twitter, and now I don't anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> I did. That's funny. Well, some of the other feedback that we've gotten is uh, Sage of Earth said, I hope there isn't anything more to Jonathan because I enjoy him being just some random guy. Although something tells me that there could be something more, but I really hope they don't go that route. Well... I don't like him. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't care either way. There, It seems like it'd be cool for there to be some reason that Zelina was born so powerful. Some explanation. True. 
but was he wearing any green? No, not that I no, noticed. I don't think so. He neither. Also, they don't have red hair either. One of them, so that's fun. yeah. Artsy um, Diva said, "I'm totally okay with him being a random jerk, but I'm hung up on how magical Zelina is. How does a jerk gardener and the Miller's peasant daughter <laughs> produce the most magical creature of all time? I'm sure we're done with question. the storyline, but it does make me wonder if he could be a wizard of sorts." Yeah, this, I didn't like, like, I obviously didn't like Jonathan. I kind of felt like this storyline, storylines like this kind of frustrate me just because, not to be all feminist, but it's <laughs> very much like the woman is always to blame and the guy never has to take any responsibility and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and I get that they're kind of speaking to the time that this would have happened in where that was very true of society, but, and also that it's a fairy tale, but um, yeah, that, that frustrates me. And it's, it kind of brought it out of the fairy tale kind of realm to me. So, mm. cause he, he even basically, he, he admitted that he's like, yeah. And like too bad. Who's, who are they going to believe? Like the woman who's pregnant or me. Right. The gardener. <clears throat> the gardener. <laughs> but thankfully, that's where Leopold comes in and saves, saves the, the day. day. And then they go <laughs> off on this nice little walk in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and Cora tells this little story about being the angriest little eight-year-old you ever saw. And I, I'm just imagining, remember when, when they lit the, the wardrobe on fire? And she screams, no! I'm picturing this little eight-year-old Cora screaming, no. Who would they cast to play that Cora? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm sure that they'd pick somebody who's just like her. Because they seem to be good at that. Cora and Leopold seem to kind of have a genuine like for each other in this scene. Cora, you know, we I never, ever believe that she's being genuine, but... She she didn't seem to be rehearsing or anything. She just seemed to be telling legitimate stories. But right. they seemed to have like this, you know, like relationship that seemed very real at the time. Yeah. I mean, she got Leopold to turn into Prince Spilliergut. He's just like <laughs> sitting down. just like, I've never felt like I can lead peasant woman that I've never met. I'm so afraid of being inadequate. I don't know. It was very strange. I think she should probably be a psychiatrist because if she can get people to open up that way. Well, and she was all like, "Did you know what you just said? What that Cora should be a psychiatrist? I did say that. I don't know. Like she just she get her PhD from a curse, or she really gets to the heart of the matter. Oh." (laughs) Her PhD from a curse? Yeah, probably. Uh, Probably. No, psychiatrists are doctors. No. Other kind of doctor. Right. Now, Leopold did mention Princess Aedhava from from the Northern Kingdom, which matches up with what we heard in the episode, The Miller's Daughter. Wait, he said said from the Northern Kingdom? Mm -hmm. He did, yes. (sighs) There goes my other theory making this timeline make sense. It doesn't make sense. Because you're right. They said, oh, it's Princess Ava. She's visiting from the Northern Kingdom. I rewatched the beginning of The Miller's Daughter. So it would be a little fresher in my mind because I wanted to make sense of some things. I was like, oh, okay. So Cora 
must have been in this episode we just saw in the Northern Kingdom. That must be the one that's nearer her house. Or no, no. I decided that the castle you can see from her house. <laughs> and maybe now that I think about it, that was in the Miller's Daughter, not this episode. Uh, I was thinking, okay, so okay. this where she lives is the is Henry's, like Prince Henry and who, whatever his dad's name was. Prince Henry? Not yes. Prince Leopold. No, correct. In The Miller's Daughter, there was this whole castle, and I'm like, why don't they recognize Cora? Mm-hmm. In you know either direction, but it's because it was different royalty. That was Henry. That's who she ended up marrying. But Ava was in that episode because she tripped But she Cora. was visiting from the Northern mm-hmm. Kingdom. Yes. So I thought, okay. Did she already – had she met Cora then in this ep- – like- See, that is what I can't decide because there seemed – you could read in some familiarity in The Miller's Daughter if you go back and watch. But there was also seeming familiarity between Cora and Ava in this episode. And I couldn't decide if it was from the the tripping scene in The Miller's Daughter or <laughs> if it was from something in this story that we didn't see sometime between when – Leopold hadn't met Ava yet the night before he was supposed to meet her. And later on when they'd been engaged for a couple of months or whatever. Cause she's like, I, what is she doing here? And she knew who she was, but that could have yeah. happened any time in the last few weeks or it could have happened clear back in the past. But I decided that Miller's daughter had to come after this because she married Henry. Yeah. Jeremy, yeah. you need to listen to the advice of Janice in the chat room. Right now. She said, Jeremy, <laughs> Yes. Stop trying to confuse yourself. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not trying to confuse myself. But, but in mm. this episode, when Leopold, like, to me, this is just my reading into Rose McGowan's acting of young Cora. When Leopold mentioned that he was engaged to Princess Ava, there seemed to be like a flicker of recognition in Cora's mm-hmm. Expression and it's hard because Cora doesn't have a lot of expression. That's part right. like that's how they both play her. Like I'm not I'm not dissing the actors. I'm, like that's, that's how they how both be. play her. Yeah, so it's hard. But it seemed like she, and then even her comments like automatically trying to. Well, I know, and it's it's because she wanted him to marry her. But right, it just seemed like she had like a bitterness already. I would almost say hands down. I would have said this has to be after the scenes in The Miller's Daughter, except that she became engaged to Henry, that who we know she married and stayed married to for a very, very long time in The Miller's Daughter. Like after she spun, after she got locked in the tower and Rumpel taught her to spin, then she was engaged to Henry and that was it. Yeah. So it Regina has was to be born. after this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I figured this out. Okay. So I wanted to let you guys represent the confusion and I'll try to represent maybe some reason or clarity to this. The recognition that, or what you're saying looked like recognition on Cora's face when uh, the the prince mentioned Ava. I think that was more just a disappointment. I didn't see any kind of, to me, it didn't look like recognition. It looked like just, oh, you're already taken. Bummer. I think so. But so here's my explanation of the timeline. Imagine three kingdoms. Up at the north is Princess Ava's kingdom. Just (laughs) south of that is um, this kingdom, which is the kingdom where um, 
where Leopold will become king eventually. This is Snow White's kingdom. South. Oh, snap. South of this. <laughs> yeah, because the, the cathedral where she was caught stealing the jewels or that room, mm-hmm. the great hall, is the same hall where Princess Ava was, um, or Queen Ava was laid to rest. And it's oh, the my. Same How's that hall. for some foreshadowing? It's the same hall where <laughs> Rapunzel was brought back to her family. Oh, in the one year ago. Man, so this is that's, that's a all, room to be in. That's all happening in the space station castle. Space station. What? Yeah. That's the, the summer one, palace. Yeah. What? So that's happening there. South of that is then Prince Henry and King Xavier's kingdom. And that's where <sighs> Cora met Henry. And that whole thing happened in the Miller's Daughter. So okay. how did she get down there? Well, this I think this makes total sense. Is Probably what happened, on her legs or on a horse. What happened in this episode is that <laughs> she tricked the prince and she was caught stealing, trying to steal from the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So what would you do with someone like that? Banish. Exactly. The peasant woman. Banish them. And her drunk father that we've never met. So she goes south near another kingdom, and that is King Xavier's kingdom. And that's where she is when we pick up the story in The Miller's Daughter. And she's she's tired. She's worn out. She's already had the baby. This is a year, at least a year later. She already had the baby. She's tired with life. She hates where she is. Mm-hmm. And then this opportunity happens at um, King Xavier's kingdom, and again, she feels like she can in some way sneak her way into the royal palace mm-hmm. and all of the stuff that she's done before. And now here she is doing it in another kingdom. So then when they say Princess Ava from the Northern Kingdom, they could be referring to either Princess Ava's original kingdom, or they could be referring to Prince or King Leopold's kingdom, because either of those <laughs> would be Northern to this, the Southern Kingdom. Well, there you go. Um, when Snow White's horse went crazy in the episode Stable Boy, were they not en route from their normal kingdom to the summer kingdom? Like, is it possible that Princess Ava's castle became their summer kingdom because they got married and so the kingdoms merged? It is possible, although in the episode Heart of Darkness, Snow got upset at the soldier when he said Regina is going to the Summer Palace, and mm-hmm. Snow said, my father made that for my mother. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So whatever that palace at least was, was something different. But we, Which is the one that you just said they were standing in before Leopold and Ava were married? The spaceship. Yes. Castle. The one that we've always seen Regina have. Mm-hmm. So how could he have made it? Unless... If they were in it before yes. that. So I think it's just all like <laughs> north to south progression here as Cora continues to go down, down, down. I think they need a map for us. Yes. And for themselves. So back you in... You know, yeah. They ma- they put those in the front of books sometimes. That, that Adam and Eddie... That'd, mm-hmm. that'd be good. Obi's Thank girl you. sent a voicemail too saying, I need a map of all of yes. these separate kingdoms. And then if all your writers had access to such a map, it would make more sense. I think well, so. They probably do. But one mm, other thing to consider here is <laughs> when we were discussing the episode, the Miller's daughter, we theorized back then that Henry and Leopold were brothers 
because remember Korra had said that she was something like seventh in line or sixth in line for the throne. And we theorized that maybe Leopold was one of Henry's older brothers. Well, now looking at this, getting to see young Leopold, he looks nothing like the very Spanish looking kingdom of King Xavier and Prince Henry. Yes. So they were probably neighboring kingdoms. Probably. Besides, that would make Regina and Snow cousins, yes? Right. If, if, yeah, yeah, if Henry and, and also, anyway, that would be far too much twisting of the family tree. There would be all kinds of regional jokes to be made about the enchanted forest. <laughs> That we shall not make here. So, all so, of that. All that to I say, we sort of understand what's going on. I don't, but that's, I don't need to. I, yeah, and I'm you sorry. know what? This will be the opportunity for Jack, who writes our show notes, to really shine by documenting all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so check out, by the way, if you haven't seen it, check out the great job that Jack does on our show notes. She write th- writes these for us every week for every episode. And the show notes for this episode will be at oncepodcast.com slash 145 with any screenshots and links that we mentioned in this episode. By the way, before we move on, I want to thank some people who have helped make this episode of Once Podcast possible. Steve Johnson, David Newland, and Lisa Slack, thank you so much for your kind donations to Once Podcast. Your support helps keep the podcast going because we do have expenses to run the podcast. It, it costs a lot more than you might think to run the podcast, run the bandwidth, the media hosting, the, the stuff like downloading the episodes from iTunes. We purchase them legally, so that way we can do some stuff to be able to get screenshots and sound <laughs> clips and the high-definition screenshots that we get for you and so many things like that. So it costs quite a bit, and we really appreciate the support. And if you'd like to make a one-time or automatic monthly donation like Steve Johnson, David Newland, and Lisa Slack do, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor or Let me tell you about a new thing that we're offering, and that's called Patreon. Patreon.com slash oncepodcast, or it's also at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor, is a new service that allows you to pledge a certain donation amount per episode. You could pledge a dollar per episode, or $5, or $25, or $10. And what we've done is we've set up certain little perks that you get at different levels per episode. And you can set a budget, too. So if we release eight episodes in a month... You could have your budget set for just $15 at $5 per episode, and then you support only three episodes, and it can work out very easily like that. So if you want to check that out, then go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor and click on the Patreon banner over there, and we really appreciate the support from our Patreon contributors. We have one, so contributor right now, but we've got some cool little perks there, like you can get some Once Podcast cards to share and some other things that we'll be doing in the future and some goals too of stuff we'd like to upgrade. So check that all out for ways you can support the podcast by going to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And thank you so much, Steve, David, and Lisa for your support. Yes. Thank you. Patronus. Thank you. I had to say it. Patreon makes me think of Patronus. So when Cora finds the gardener back at the gazebo again, can we all start spitting when we speak of him? <laughs> Thank you. This, um, he really turned the tables on her. 
Wayne, and us. Yeah. He's not nice. He's not nice. He's disgusting. Well, he probably hates being the gardener. And this well, is a guy that's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Or <laughs> his mouth. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, yeah. I, I'm gonna, yeah. there were a few things in this episode, and this scene was one of them. Uh, you know, I know it happens here and there, but it's supposed to be a family-friendly show, and I just didn't well, appreciate the innuendos. You know what? We were going to have an episode about this over the last summer break, but we never did. But it would basically have been a list of the reasons why Once Upon a Time is not a family show. <laughs> well, that's true. Be- it's just, but it's confusing. Like one tone is set, and then, and then it changes, and it's, but then it changes back, and it's confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But something here that I think makes a bit of sense as we start putting these pieces together like with this relationship involving princess ava is princess ava overheard this whole conversation shows she's going to go be a tattletale and do this thing in the episode like mother like daughter in the episode the queen is dead mm-hmm. after cora had killed ava from poisoning her cora said to ava's dead body there <laughs> It won't be just you I'll destroy. It will be your legacy. So Cora has had this beef against Ava for quite a while. Yeah. And we really didn't know the complete reasons back then, just that Snow White was getting to be a princess and Regina wasn't. Mm-hmm. Snow White was in line to be a queen. Regina wasn't. That's what we thought it was back then. But in the episode in The Miller's Daughter, that's... Uh, when Cora visited Prince Henry's castle, or actually King Xavier's castle, to deliver the flower. And Princess Ava was the princess visiting from the Northern Kingdom. And probably a year or so after this. And there she seemed to be happy to rub in this fact that, hey, you're just a peasant. And further, I'm assuming, further increasing Cora's hate for this woman (laughs) and that not just this little tripping incident that made Cora want to then kill Ava later on, but it's all of these things piled up on top of each other. Peasant girl fell as they do. (laughs) (laughs) It does make more sense now. I I believe back then I sent in feedback that I thought they were sisters. So Mm. uh, I think before this episode or before the Miller's daughter, and then even after, I believe, I was like, there's got to still be more to this story because it's, it's overreaction. Like, we know Cora likes to overreact, but yeah, but uh, maybe not quite that much. Yeah, they they filled in a lot of gaps. So For I sure, appreciate yeah. the addition to the story. Uh, but I have to say, do you really think, other than the fact that it's clear that Ava's motives were a little too gleeful, she was she was a little bit delighting in the demise of Cora. But do you really think what she did was wrong? I'm not even going to say so bad. Don't you think she did the right thing? Well, Cora poisoning Ava, you're saying? No, no. No, Ava Ava. reporting Cora. Yeah, Ava overheard this thing. Clearly, this was not the best woman for Leopold. And she went and told him what she heard. What's so wrong about that? I think she did the right thing, but with for the, the wrong, wrong reason. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. It's still not her fault, right? It's kind of like snow. Well, I don't know. It's 
<laughs> well, I can't come up with a clear analogy, but I, I was thinking it's sort of like when somebody's driving recklessly and then you see them pulled over on the side of the road. And it's kind of, well, I probably shouldn't be happy that that happened to them. And yet it kind of needed to happen. Well, yeah, because Cora's decisions that she was making were bad decisions. That was really a series of bad things that was setting her up for a kingdom of isolation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it looked like she'd be queen. You have to let it go. <laughs> I think, I think though, like, Cora was between a rock and a hard place. Whether she had genuine feelings for Leopold or not, we don't know. It seemed like she maybe did. Um, and then, like, Jonathan's blackmailing her. So it's, like, it's hard. And, yeah, Ava did the right thing. Like, it's kind of like when you really dislike a coworker and you find them stealing and you report them. Are you doing the wrong thing? No. Are you doing it for the wrong reasons? Maybe. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's, they were both not super wrong because <laughs> like Cora had to do something. She was in a very, very vulnerable position where she was going to have this baby to support. And as I mentioned back in those times, women with babies without husbands were not given the same compassion that they are today. Well, that's true. Although we say those times and it was kind of like the 70s. Well, especially though... <laughs> well, but in fairy tale. I know. Yes. I'm just kidding. And especially considering that she's supposed to become royalty. Yeah. Because if the baby belongs to someone else, that means bribing. That means right. uh, someone else could have claim to the throne and they were influence over the throne in some way it means a whole lot of complicated things too. as we keep being reminded by these shows most recently on once upon a time in wonderland but also as recently as neverland the beginning of this year marriages with lies in them or with a foundation of lies do not go well and yeah. that's what she was trying to start from yeah. the moment that he met her Right on up, she was lying about yeah. not being pregnant. She was lying about why she was there, how they met, the whole thing. So, and the, the sad part is, we know what type of person Leopold was. And if she had been truthful with him, he probably still would have helped her. Yes. Yep. Because he was such, like, when he, um, when the genie, Sidney Glass, was <laughs> he, he just wished for happiness for all of the members of his kingdom, right? <laughs> yep. He said he didn't need anything. So it, it's just a shame that she could not see him for what he was, and all she saw him for was a, a crown that she w wanted because he, he was such a genuine, compassionate person. Mm -hmm. Like he raised Snow White. Yeah. So later. So yes, I'm I'm totally fine with what with what Ava did, not with her motives, not all of her motives, but at least part even part of her motives were good. So it's really not the dark event that they made it sound like when they discussed it in Storybrooke. Now, yeah. here's a really crazy theory or a connection maybe. 
I'd say this is more of a possible connection than a theory, but Stacy said, I have a wild theory that Jonathan is going to turn out to be the scarecrow. I would say let's make this connection, not that he's going to turn out to be the scarecrow. But uh, she says, my reasoning, Jonathan is a gardener. Scarecrows go in gardens and fields. When he revealed himself as being a bad guy to Cora, there was what looked like a pitchfork behind him. Okay, that's true. Can't remember the direct line, but Cora mentioned something about his brain. I, I couldn't find that, though. Honestly, his getup looked a little, if I imagine it on the Scarecrow, it looked a little like the Scarecrow. Jonathan gave a straw ring to Cora. Awesome. Aw, which he could have plucked from his insides if he were a Scarecrow. <laughs> Here, a little part of me to wrap around <laughs> your finger. <laughs> so, <laughs> I... She's got him wrapped around his finger, <laughs> literally. Um, so I think that Zelina, through the wizard, found or finds out who her father is and as punishment turns him into a scarecrow. Mm, um, and that would have happened... Ooh. It's always about this point in a, in a Once Upon a Time story that the the timelines start to crash around in my brain and I'm like, okay... When did she meet the wizard? How long before she cast the curse? Was this during the missing year? Was this before the missing year? When would she have had time to do that? But yeah, she would have had time because this would have been a while ago when she met the wizard before the missing year. I like it. I just, it seemed when Cora left baby Zelina that as soon as Zelina got emotional as a baby that the tornado came. So right. my my theory is that she caused it. Uh, yeah. And that was like a... So if she can cause a tornado that brings her from the Enchanted Forest to Oz, as an infant, she could obviously do that very easily later on in life as well. So oh, that's oh, true. But then why did she need the slippers? Yeah, that's... Mm. Well, so I, I kind of agree that that's probably where they're going, but let's hope it's not because you're right. Why would she not just transport herself other times? And for that matter, how did she survive babyhood? You would think every time she cried, horrible things would happen. But this was like self-preservation. Like she, right. well, I guess she how maybe she didn't know, know her mom was. Yeah. Plus maybe she didn't know. Now that they showed the expanded giving up Zelina scene. Number one, I don't understand how not marrying Leopold really meant that she was forced to give up Zelina, especially if she didn't want to. I don't think that that connection is solid. And number two, leaving a baby all alone in the middle of the woods, not even by a road, is not giving the baby away. It's throwing the baby away. That made no sense to me. Why are you not leaving this baby on a doorstep? Other than that, the twister would have destroyed the house and it was just too costly CG-wise. I think, though, that they kind of answered this, which was, I I really wanted to mention this, they kind of twisted the line that's been used. Not twist. Twister. Go on. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) They twisted the line that Snow has used for Emma and Mm -hmm. Emma has used for Henry that they just wanted to give the baby their best shot. And then Cora twisted that to be, I need to have my best shot. Right. Which I was so, I would have been, I would have been really angry if Cora had said, this is to give you your best chance. Like, no, lady, like, that's not why you're giving away your baby. And by the way. Like, you're doing it because you're selfish. In this situation, yeah. And that was very clear by her actions of 
where and how she chose to dispose of this baby. And so. at this point, she had her heart, yes? Yes. Yes. Which means... We think so. There was all that, oh, you would have been enough, and the smiling that made us feel sad that she died. Well, guess what? She was just horrible. With or without her heart, I think this story kind of proves Cora was just bad. Yeah. She's just a bad egg. And by egg, I mean woman. <laughs> well, one of the other ideas I had about this cyclone is that maybe... This is some kind of magical cyclone that Zelina didn't cause, but this is something kind of like, remember the Pied Piper episode of Once Upon a Time? Well, earlier this season. Yeah. Where it was those who felt unwanted or unloved could hear the music, those who felt alone. Maybe this cyclone is something like that. Okay, but it it was green. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe that's what inspired Zelina, but maybe... This cyclone was Oz's way of bringing people who felt unloved or um, deserted children or something like that, bringing them to a different Oz or a different land where they would have a good chance. Because remember, the twister dropped her right in front of a couple where the mother just loved her and took care of her. But then again, the first thing that we see Zelina do is swoop a tree out of the way with her baby power baby z (laughs) now i feel like they would have made it more obvious maybe but do you think that cora did cause it because you know here i'm complaining about her not giving zelina to anyone did she use the twister to send zelina to someone and that's why she was out in the middle of the woods do you mean use like cause the twister or knew the twister was coming whatever probably cause but i don't think she could cause it because she didn't have magic at that point yet Right. Oh, true, true. Particularly it, not green yeah. magic. Yeah, it doesn't, even if Zelina caused it, it doesn't make sense that it would be green. Is right. all of her magic green right now that yeah. we've seen? Yeah. Actually, Zelina's magic, yeah, her so, magic is green. It's been that's such weird a too. green season. Yeah, Peter Pan was green too. I don't know. Both of those theories could be something. Maybe when all of this is said and done, we'll refer to the seasons by their color, not by their number. Because, so what would season two be? Oh, purple. Okay. I think it was very purple. Very purple. One. There was purple smoke and is one red? One maybe. One in my mind was just sort of unfiltered once upon a time, and then there was the purple season and then the green season. <laughs> well, DeAndre sent in a question about this. Uh he said So one thing that I've been trying to wrap my mind around is Zelina the project of true love? As they've touched on, the product of true love is born with magic, as we've seen with Emma. And it's clear that Zelina has had magic since birth as well. But Jonathan and Cora were clearly not in love with each other. So is true love in a romantic sense only plausible at the least of the two people being soulmates? Because if so, that would explain why Zelina was born with magic. I don't know. How did she end up being magical? Yeah. What's the opposite of true love? (laughs) True hate. (laughs) I don't think that there's necessarily, given what we've seen, going to be an explanation for Zelina's magic. There should be, though, because they're playing with their own... They're not playing with their own rules, but they're definitely introducing new... I think that in some way, what they've established more recently, they would probably say 
that for whatever reason, Cora always had magic and didn't know how to use it, just like Emma. That it's a gift and it has to be developed, but not everyone has it. You've never seen Regina try to teach, you know, Snow or Charming any magic because they can't. Didn't Cora speak to this exact topic of conversation in her episode of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland? Didn't she say something like some people like are born with the ability and other people have to cultivate it? Maybe, which would suggest instead that you could learn it. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I'm not sure that it's, I think it's another one of those wibbly wobbly magic-y things. But hey, you know what? Speaking of wibbly wobbly timey-wimey stuff. Yeah. One in our forums, the Swan Princess suggested that the Twister... Mm-hmm. Might not have been summoned by Cora or this Zelina. But it was not the, the doctor. The Swan Princess says, I think that the Twister was summoned by present Zelina while trying oh. to change the past and prevent Cora from abandoning her baby self. The I love past this. was already changed. This comes back to the whole, you cause the past mm-hmm. you're trying to change. I love that. It's so, it's so timey-wimey and it's so poetic and it's, it's so perfect. A result for Zelina. Yeah. Well, we now know that this baby is definitely Zelina. It's not Snow and Charming's baby that somehow went back through the tornado into Oz. So none of that. That that was a great theory, by the way, Roger. But still, I'm I kind of like this idea of mm-hmm. trying to change the past created the past you're trying to change. Mm-hmm. So yes. Zelina will succeed in some capacity, but the result is mm. what she knows what's that mean for the baby like not the her baby there will be no mercy on the baby oh my (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe in the process snow and charming's baby will be transported through time and to another realm and will become the jabberwocky that we saw in wonderland (laughs) oh dear that'd be horrible she does kind of look like emma she's got the blonde hair (laughs) what Oh, Emma. Okay, never mind. My 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 head has been caught in a twister, and I thought snow when you said Emma. Um, I just wanted to quickly say about what? How did you say it? Changing the trying to change the past created the I'm past not sure you I were trying to change. <laughs> I think that was it. So trying to change the past created the past you were trying to change. Mm-hmm. It's it's very it's kind of true to the show. It just it made me think of. Rumpelstiltskin knowing the future and trying to change the future in his own power because he just didn't have all those pesky details. And um, (laughs) like it could be exactly what happened there only in reverse. So he, he had this information about the future, tried to change it and ended up causing it. Right. So because he knew what he knew, that's what caused it to happen. And that's yeah. kind of what they're saying about the past. She's trying to change the past that she knows, but is actually making it happen. Uh, yeah, true. So it's the same thing, just inverted. It's kind of the same lesson that they're they are maybe trying to, the same moral. Like, what's in the past is in the past, and you can't control the future. It just made me think of that, and I wanted to say that. Yeah, that's that's an awesome connection there. Well, before we move on, I want to thank a couple other people who have helped encourage us with the podcast. A Jolt O'Sparkle and wow. Nicola Kerwan 
for leaving kind <laughs> iTunes reviews for us. We really appreciate the iTunes reviews because mm-hmm. they help other people find the podcast. And they really encourage us too when we read those reviews and see what you say about the podcast and how you enjoy the podcast. So thank you so much for your reviews. And if you haven't left a review yet, would you please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and write a review for us. The star ratings are great, but the reviews, the written reviews are really helpful. We really love seeing those. They're such encouragement to us. So if you haven't done so yet, go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes, and we'd really appreciate it. Now, moving on to the present, we see Zelina visiting Regina with a gift of green apples. Clever. Everything's green. Green, green, green. What do you think her favorite color is? Um, mm. It's actually a Purple. mauve. Mauve? Mauve? <laughs> In all of the things that Zelina was saying to Regina, though, I think Zelina was partially inspiring Regina here because Zelina was saying stuff like, you never take a chance, you never go out there, you never try something daring. Yeah, and we know what happened at the end of the Yeah, episode. exactly. So Regina listened to some of that advice. Sister, <laughs> big sister love. They, you know, they don't even resemble each other at all. They don't, but their banter was kind of like, I loved the line, envy is just another word for ambition. And then Regina's like, well, that's just not true. I, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, they're just going to have to go, uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-huh, 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 I'm not uh-huh. touching you, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. <laughs> Maybe they do that in the bloopers. It didn't really stay at witty banter because Regina did throw a knife at her. Yeah. <laughs> and then she disappeared, and it was just like the pilot. Hey. <laughs> okay, not she, just like it, but you know. It was like the knife, and then she grabbed some salt, and then she just, like, rubbed that in the wound. Oh, yeah. With the, the whole, she gave you away. You away, yeah. But I'm confused as to whether Zelina actually knows what happened. Like, she seems to, but how would she? She knows that part of the story based on what the wizard told her. Okay. It's probably safe to assume that Zelina got more of the story of her backstory, maybe, from learning how to use whatever it was that the wizard was using in order to see stuff. Okay. Or maybe that's that's all the story she got, which was enough to go on, really. So do you think that it's a genuine, real thing that not knowing what happened is going to somehow hurt her? Or was that whole line just a plot device to start the ball rolling on the walking dead, flying dead Cora? Yeah, like how do, how does that hurt Regina? So I guess I'm wondering, are, is that idea going to be expanded upon? Or are we going to, is that just going to drop now that they've sent Cora back to wherever she was? I don't know. I think that we've probably been given as much backstory to this aspect of it as we'll get for this season. I mean, this probably explains enough for us. Yeah. It's not as detailed as we'd like and doesn't answer as many questions, but it gives us the general idea of why Zelina wants to do this and what Zelina's plan is. I'm Oh, well, okay. I meant specifically the not knowing, but I guess they sort of know now. Yeah, and now they know. Now they know. (laughs) 
Well, in the scene with the merry men out in the woods, we finally get to see Friar Tuck. And he's a guy that loves an axe, really. Because he's got this big axe on his belt. And he's the one that little Roland mm-hmm. goes back and starts playing some game with when Regina comes. Was it an axe or was it a hatchet? It, well, yeah. Okay. Hatchet. So really a little axe. So this is hatchet cop instead. Oh my. That's so obscure. I I thought this was a very clever yet a new side of Rumple. Such a mix of evil yeah. and reluctance never really seen him we've never seen him under anyone else's control like that exactly either no kind of i don't think we've ever seen him under have we he's always had his own dagger right right yeah Mm -hmm. only the things like what he's done during that fight pushing emma back and all of that stuff the stuff where you could tell that he didn't want to do it and some of the other things like bursting out of the uh, the the little cellar there and yelling mm-hmm. at Bell and all of that. That was kind of a funny thing about going back and watching part of the Miller's daughter from season two. They were talking about people having control of the dagger at that time too. Only nobody had it, but Regina and Cora were the ones after it at that time, and they were very concerned about whether yeah. the the mother daughter yeah. duo of evil at the time <laughs> would get the dagger and control him and make him kill everybody. And yeah. So that dagger, I mean, so many, so many problems. The scene had too many people with names that started with R in it. And <laughs> wow. I wanted to call it R to the power of four. <laughs> and my note was, how did R one know that R twos had R three's heart and poor R four. <laughs> So, how did Rumpelstiltskin know that Robin Hood had Regina's heart? And I feel bad for Roland. Everyone always feels bad for Roland. They're like, we want some... Well, we've already shown the cute little child, and so that's getting... Let's have Rumpel push him into the ground and then fling an arrow at his head. That'll get their heartstrings again. Well, and that kid is cute. Mm -hmm. Like, that is an adorable little boy, (laughs) so... But they just it's have like, to keep putting him in harm's way. Well, yeah, they have to make us care. They don't do the damsel in distress on this show. They do the Roland in distress. Okay. I I thought it was great that Regina didn't spend any time being angry. No, her first concern was for the people mm-hmm. yeah. and, and Roland. This is a very reformed Regina. Mm-hmm. Very unselfish. And in this episode, she's been apologizing to many different people. Right. And being forgiving, even, as well. Redeemed, reformed, Regina. I'm seeing how many R's I can get in. But no, how did Rumpelstiltskin know that Robin Hood had Regina's heart? I don't know. Can he just, like, sense it? Is that one of his, like, magical powers? It might be. I wouldn't be surprised if it's something like that. But Her that spies is... are circling above. Always oh, right. circling. right. Right, the monkeys. It's really just the one, but, you know, she calls him spies. In our forums, <laughs> uh, Hook's Girl said, I hope Rumple finds a way to overcome the dagger's control. Love is the most powerful magic of all, and it's strength, and it is strength. Maybe by sheer will and power and his love for Belle, 
will help him fight against being controlled long enough to grab the dagger, like the knave did when he broke through the invisible wall to kiss Anastasia in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Yeah, I like it. Maybe. That could be kind of cool. But love is weakness. It's a better idea than what he tried in this episode. <clears throat> yeah. Well, then Regina is trying to ransack his shop. To- <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, Regina. I guess there's still got to be some little Regina moments in there somewhere. Why are you throwing things? They were acting like schoolgirls. Seriously. <laughs> and then Belle's comeback was self-respect. Like, that's not a comeback. That's... <laughs> That's something that you say when you're 12. Self-respect. Yeah, well, and, you know. And why on earth or any realm would I help you? <laughs> well, the funny thing is that Belle has been suddenly, after all this time, realizing all the things that I've been saying, you know, <laughs> through all of season two, that she should have been realizing and saying to people. And so she's finally getting it out there. She's finally dealing with, hey, you tried to kill me multiple times and you have taken away a large portion of my life. Yeah, my freedom. Yeah. yeah. And it's amazing that I'm not in an actual insane asylum because of you. You know, that kind of thing. She's been practicing in the mirror. Yeah. But at the same time. self-respect. How many times do you think she said that in front of the mirror? It's more like an acknowledgement than an actual dealing. But at least... Regina's apology was sincere, more sincere yes. than Hook's. But at the same time, Belle has been working with this group of heroes or whatever through, like, I think the end of season two and up until now in season three. She already knows that Regina's reformed. She saved Storybrooke. Right. She helped get Henry back. Right. She's so. helping with Zelina now. So it's kind of like delayed reaction much. Like- exactly. It's like it all just caught up with her. And I feel like maybe at this point it could be like, so I know you've done this and this, but I still am having a hard time getting over this. Like just phrase it a little differently so it doesn't feel a little like, did you just step out of the middle of season two? You should have said all this a long time ago and dealt with this. I don't. But it, it's funny. At least it is a somewhat satisfying. However they phrase it, it's somewhat satisfying to hear her actually say it out loud instead of yeah. making me say it for her in a podcast. <laughs> well, Regina then did give this little apology to Belle, which mm-hmm. was nice. And it seemed acceptable to Belle for her to be able to help. And by the way, the candle that mm-hmm. Belle picked up first. Oh, yeah. That's Lumiere. Lumiere? Yeah. Exact same one. I know. So what yeah. happens if they light those candles? I don't know. Does he pop out of them? The um, Liberace reference there <laughs> was... Uh, funny? Yeah, a little bit funny because <laughs> Liberace was a a pianist and entertainer in the, 1900, in the 20th century, that is. What? Yeah. Um, and yeah. he was known as just Liberace. It, yeah. Um, I... So there's some sort of little joke there that I just couldn't quite figure out. Okay, so he died in 87. I knew who he was. I just didn't. I thought he was a little bit more contemporary than that. But that's why. Okay, I guess he was fairly popular even in the 70s is why I started to question. I, I think it's more just kind of a joke of, oh, I'm looking for a candle and you grab that really decorative one. You're like a artist or an entertainer and you're, no, there, been, there's a whole thing to his personality and his persona that yeah. is 
more than we'll probably want to get into here, <laughs> but he yeah. was um, somewhat flamboyant and eccentric and um, maybe liked candles. Even the the first picture I find of him on Wikipedia, he has some yeah. candelabras in the background. So yeah. Now, one of the things that bothered me a little bit was the convenience of, oh, I protected my heart against that. Yeah, of course. She I know. Did. She literally Blood flopped her hand like, oh, whatever. She just waved it off. You can't keep protecting things by, of course you did. Come on. Precedent, people. Precedent. (laughs) Yeah, Corbin had some problems with this. And in the forums, he shared saying, hearts are annoying. The problem is that while the concept is cool, albeit slightly twisted, it is never definite. So it's first defined as being able to be ripped out to crush it. Then you can control it. Then you can speak into it. Then you can speak while holding it from once upon a time in Wonderland. <laughs> right. Then you can cast an enchantment to stop people from ripping it out, which why did Regina not do this to herself? <laughs> because remember, she did that to Henry to prevent Henry's heart from being ripped oh, out. Yeah. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> he says, mm. is there a rule that you can't do it when you're over 18? <laughs> Then you can cast an enchantment to stop people from controlling you with it. Next, you can cast an enchantment to stop people from crushing it. I bet you this. But why can't they have clear heart rules? Why are there so many loopholes? Why is this the only show in which we can discuss the laws of magical hearts? Because, like I said in the beginning, magic has to have certain rules to keep it from being sort of... Well, the Star Trek effect, where there's so much technology, you should technically be able to overcome any problem pretty quickly because of something you've established in a prior episode. And we're getting there. For example, standing on Hook's ship, getting ready to go at the end of the second season. Oh, I need my globe. Foosh. Here it is. Every time they need something, snap. Here it is in my hand. Regina, take back your heart. Why can you not get that? You know where it is. The second Zelina said it. Why couldn't she have sent it somewhere else? Yeah. It, you know, there aren't quite enough rules. I think we have to turn to the Bible for an answer on why there are so many rules on the hearts here. Because the Bible oh says, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately sick. Who can know it? Um, so, who can know these rules of the heart? <laughs> wow. Um, I'm not sure how that applied, but that's that's good. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's I, truer than this show. <laughs> I want to know why the heart can't be summoned now that Jeremy said that. That's or summon. I'm just thinking of Harry Potter when he had to summon. Summoned, but <laughs> and her heart's flying through town. Wait, isn't isn't there a spell in Harry Potter where he like in the fourth one where he has to summon the broom to the dragon fight? Uh, oh, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like they were always summoning things from one place to another. Well, and speaking of summoning from one place to another, <laughs> they have this little seance to try to summon Cora and. This, we're going to hashtag this token seance. <laughs> Why does every stupid show have to have a stupid seance? And they even have to say the words, give me a sign. Could we please have a show without a seance? Yeah, they're, they're dipping over. a bit into Maybe. some more Dark. witchcraft here. And you mid- well, yeah, besides how disturbing it is, I've almost gotten used to it because every show has a seance. Yeah. Really? And a couple of our listeners have expressed some discomfort over the fact that they're dipping more into witchcraft instead of just 
traditional magic. And I agree that let's let's keep it to the traditional kind of magic. Yeah, especially okay. now that they're getting into time travel. That's not magic. That's science fiction. So to pull back perspective wise, it's like okay, technically, technically, I believe all witchcraft and magic is bad. But there's this sort of fairy tale world where there's just this sort of magic that's not real. It's fanciful. It's this universe in this world they've created. And that's, you know, that seems different to me. But you're right. When you get into a seance or something like that, that's that's actual witchcraft. That has nothing to do with this fantasy world with fairy tales or anything like that. And again, it's a t- it's a break in the tone from the rest of the series. Well, you know, let me lighten the mood with some answers that I found while I was trying to figure out how to just spell seance, because it's not one of those words I use often. And I so, see from your notes that you chose sort of the older French method yeah. of spelling it with an accent on the E. Well, I found... Well, you have to have the accent, otherwise it says scenes. Or chance. But actually, the dictionary entry I found does not have the accent. But it does on the French. I found some interesting answers on Yahoo Answers. Someone asked, is there any typical, is there any type of Wiccan ritual to talk to the dead? And here for your brief comic relief, some answers I found (laughs) in my research. Oh my gosh. One person said, uh, the Canadian atheist said, you may as well want to summon leprechauns or pixies. You have (laughs) as much luck. But only dead ones. Thank you, Canada. (laughs) And someone else said... Anyone can talk to the dead. No rituals are necessary. Only the delusional expect them to talk back, however. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, dead men tell no tales. You can talk to anything, really. Just ask Gary Busey. (laughs) So, if they're they're doing this little seance and... it's, It's almost turning into like a game of Clue. Really? We have the murder weapon. We have the murderer. We're in the library. Oh, and nothing came through foreshadowing much. Like, oh, yeah, I we we all believe that the portal closed and nothing came through. Definitely not an unseen Cora that's going to come out and scare you later. Mm -mm. I, I wonder if Hook got a little bit nervous about this whole process and bumped the table intentionally. Or... Maybe he thought he was going to have a little accident. I don't know. But what what was that thing about crossing his legs? I Okay, that was weird. I, yeah, I didn't understand that. It was very odd. But he, he did make the smart Alec comment about, like, what are we supposed to, like, think welcoming thoughts or something when they were trying to call her. Right. Obviously, none of the people at that table really wanted to think welcoming thoughts. Yeah, they've all had pretty bad... Uh, interactions with Cora before. While this is happening, Zelina has Regina's heart. And she said that it's being battered is the point. I mean, not like battered, like gravy and butter and fried chicken or anything. No, it's gravy or butter. (laughs) I would have gone gravy. (laughs) I, yeah, that was part of the point. I think in, as they do, they really hammered home the terms they wanted us, like the key words that they wanted us to come from the episode with. And one of them was that she has the most resilient heart. If Henry has the heart of the truest believer, dormant though it may be, apparently, suddenly, there's this concept of the most resilient heart, and that's Regina's. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's the point is that, yes, it's battered, but it's still beating and capable of love and all these things. And so, yeah, uh, there were some really cool Easter eggs, barely visible, but they were on this chest that Regina or that Zelina put the heart into. Mm -hmm. And Joel caught this also on the top. It says to like T.O. It's addressed to W.B.S. And I had no idea what that stood for, but Joel caught, picked this up. And Joel, who has been uh, as much of obsessive about some of these details as I have, suggested that WB, and I now think adding the S makes even more sense here, could stand for Warner Brothers Studios, <laughs> the production company of the 1939 version of The Wizard of Oz. Wow. And underneath it says 1425 27th, which couldn't figure out quite what that is. Joel found a screenshot of a city or a house that's near uh, Steveston, where Storybrook is recorded. And it has that address and it looks kind of Storybrook-like of a house, but no real connection there. But the really cool thing is underneath this. So it's some kind of address that this is addressed to. But underneath this is the word West. Okay. The Wicked Witch of the West. So she put that heart in a box and put that box in a bigger box <laughs> and she's going to mail it to herself? Yes. <laughs> well, all right then. Maybe she's reusing a box that was mailed <laughs> to her previously. Oh, maybe. I thought uh, I thought the Walsh monkey was looking particularly Walshy today. <laughs> Did anybody notice that? <laughs> he no. looked more like himself, like actually like Walsh. I did not notice. Was that actually Walsh's suit that she gave to Rumple? Is that why he was mad? Oh, it might have been. I didn't. You know what that, that means? She put Rumple in a flying monkey suit. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. The way that Zelina is treating Rumple, though, and controlling him, mm -hmm. really reminds me of how Regina was controlling the Huntsman. Back in the episode from the first season. Mm. That she is forcing him, even having this kind of romantic dinner with him, with wine and meat pies and boiled <laughs> peas and this whole... <clears throat> excuse me. This whole <laughs> thing going on between them. Yes. Yes. I don't know what you're talking about because I think I just kind of blocked that out. <laughs> there was a line from when they were talking about what she was going to do or what she, her plans were where she said, magic doesn't fail, people fail. And it just made me think of the line, guns don't kill people, people kill people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, I almost wanted to yell back at her, people with magic fail, <laughs> because that's a line from a show. <laughs> With the gun quote, and uh, she seems pretty secure in the fact that she's going to be the person that succeeds of all the people who have tried. Well, she does bring a up a really good point, like Jenny and I talked about in our initial reactions, is that look at science, all of these things that we thought were impossible, or that mankind thought was impossible at one point, or was in the realm of magic, are now possible today, because it just took someone who could creatively come up with a solution beyond that now time travel though gets into even bigger 
problems there. So we're not just talking about going faster than the speed of sound or anything like that, or splitting an atom or anything like that in science. But this is actually talking about changing the past, which is one of the fundamental laws of everything. (laughs) You can't change the past. Mm -hmm. But it's horrible that she's trying to use Bay as this bait for Rumpel to like get him to participate in this whole thing that she's doing. Not nice. Well, she's but, not one for subtlety. Well, and he's also falling for it. As she said. Maybe. He might be falling for it. Well, we'll leave our um, semi-romantic couple. <coughs> she, excuse yeah. me. Um, as we <laughs> jump back and Regina and Cora... Uh, Regina and Snow, I keep saying Cora, Regina and Snow are cleaning up some of the stuff. And the whole thing that happened with the front door disappearing like that, it was, I think that was Cora trapping them inside the house because the color of the magic being used was the same color as Cora, ghost Cora, and the same color as that portal that they opened. So I think that was Cora locking them in so they couldn't get out and so no one else could get in. It was very strange because it looked like the stairs continued on around the corner and down and I didn't really understand. I, th- I was like, I thought I knew this house. I don't know what just happened. Well, that's the stairway up to where Henry's room was, where he's left his shoes on that stairway before. Right. And we've seen that stairway and that doorway before. I meant the other before. stairs. It just looked, it oh. looked strange. It looked like you could turn and go down even farther instead of going out the front door i don't know it was odd it's kind of a side door to the kitchen i think but they get this regina and snow get this nice little semi-apology which later turns into i think a real understanding of each other but regina was the first to say it's complicated and then later on snow admitted that for both of them it is truly complicated i think that's kind Mm -hmm. of a a mending of their relationship a bit, especially seeing how Regina is protecting Snow when yes. when Cora tries to come through. Well, I love the yeah. kitchen scene because you have the evil queen and Snow White having a heart-to-heart, despite it being physically impossible, over a bowl of apples. <laughs> yeah. And Snow <laughs> is even holding a red apple in her hand as they're talking. That's how the scene starts as she's looking at it. I kind of wonder... If Snow was supposed to be imagining something like, oh, I remember being poisoned by one of these and the <laughs> trauma that that was. <laughs> I really love what they're doing with Snow and Regina. I love that they're kind of rectifying that relationship. Or, mm-hmm. um, and I love, as Jeremy was saying, like the second um, the door opened and they saw that there was something, you know, to protect Snow against. If you watch the scene, like Regina's first instinct is to shield the baby with her hand. So that's, it's like, it's endearing knowing what Regina, like where she came from and where she is now. Um, To see her doing that and just to see her basically doing everything she can to protect Snow from her mother, who she also loved before she died, right? Like she did have that moment with Cora before Cora died. So I imagine it's a very confusing thing for Regina and she's still coming up, coming out doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this whole thing that happened here with dead Cora, 
you mean basic... CG Korra, which is scarier <laughs> than dead Korra. Yeah, if it was CG, why then didn't they make it look like Barbara Hershey? Well, it wasn't yeah. all CG. Yeah. And besides, Barbara Hershey is lovely, but if you're going to be just sort of somehow, I don't know where Korra exists, but maybe you look like your younger version of yourself. Maybe they just didn't want to pay to have both actors come back well, to yes. the episode. But all of this is to tell us basically two things. And that one is that Zelina plans to, or seems to have the plans to go back into the past and kill Princess Ava. And the other is that somehow Snow and Charming's baby is the missing key to make this time travel spell work. Which people, it is worth noting that David figured this out. Now, nothing against David, and I don't think he's dumb, but he's never had the most track record for picking up on things quickly. I bring to mind the words, don't drink it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, he's not the sharpest (laughs) knife in the drawer. So, but he has he has cracked the key to this whole thing, apparently, which is that the reason, the reason everyone has failed in their time travel attempts in the past that apparently he knows about, not really, he just speaks that way um, because he does. The reason is that they didn't have this baby. So he's already got kind of that fatherly inflated idea of the importance mm-hmm. of his child. Well, but probably not inflated. Here is one theory that I had of why this specific baby matters so much. This baby was conceived in Enchanted Forest and will be born in Storybrooke. Born in two different lands. Not even Emma can claim that power. The only other baby that can claim that is Cinderella's baby, who by now is actually uh, probably two years old. They're probably living on some island somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm sure that there were other people pregnant in all of the enchanted forest when the curse hit yeah but none of them were true love (laughs) (laughs) how do you know (laughs) i'm just kidding but there is probably something that uh, as weird as this seems that maybe zelena did in the past to the baby um unborn though but that she did to the baby kind of like remember Rumple had Charming put that, um, the love potion, the true love potion, inside of Dragon Maleficent Ew. so that it would be kept for safekeeping, brought into Storybrooke. Right. Maybe. Snow and Charming's baby is not a Maleficent dragon hiding place for anything. That's disgusting. Well, maybe, though, <laughs> there is something like some spell that only Zelina could cast in Enchanted Forest, but she couldn't complete it until until she came to Storybrooke. I don't know. And it's the baby all... is somehow carrying something that only the baby could carry. They've spun quite a web of gold cord. It's a little much to unravel in the in the next four episodes, but we've seen them do it before. Right. Yeah, and this is also similar to what Heart of Darkness uh, has theorized in the forums is that maybe uh, with the reason well heart of darkness says maybe the reason is it has to be this baby is that it will be born during the dark curse because Zelina has been talking about timing of everything 
So, I don't know. And hmm. Angela suggested that maybe the new baby from the Charmings will be Dorothy. Oh, <laughs> That was not on the name discussion table, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It'd be Although, really strange for them to... I mean, they seem to know the story. It'd be weird for them yeah. to name the baby Dorothy. Right. Um, Just going back to the name discussion for a sec, I was very... Inter- I'm I'm very interested in where they got Emma from because unless we've heard that, but because you'd think that they would have been having this conversation when Snow was pregnant with Emma, and why didn't Emma get named Ava? If Snow really wanted to name a baby after her mom, you'd think it would be your first, but who knows? True. Yeah. Um, Andrew in the chat room. Just suggested, I wonder if Selena went after Aurora's baby first, and that's why Aurora kept the knowledge of the Wicked Witch from Snow in New York City Serenade to protect her yeah. child. Another idea. I like it. As Hook and Emma are in the diner, Emma is getting pretty good with her magic. That's bratty. Hilarious. She's getting bratty with her magic. That giggle? Yikes. Well, but like, they have always kind of had that relationship of... Poking fun. Yeah, but he was clearly not in the mood, and she, like, sends his hook across the room, and then the way she laughed, I thought she was about to sprout a pointy black hat. (laughs) Well, and her magic is a little bit different from everyone else, because uh, Jacqueline pointed this out, that uh, so far, Emma hasn't displayed any kind of color in her magic. True. Remember, everyone else, when they've teleported things, there's been a little poof of some smoke, or a little Mm -hmm. cyclone, miniature cyclone sort of thing. Yeah. Hers Warp speed. reminds me of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Right. The Nyx who yeah. teleported the genie bottles. We saw it happen twice in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And it was this kind of... Zoop. It might just be their new favorite effect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Emma's magic has been kind of um, like just white right. as well. Like in Queen of Hearts. And I can't remember specifically if in the Miller's daughter it was white when she put up that protection spell, but it was kind of um, clearish. Yeah, like just because I just saw that too. Because she's just <laughs> good magic or something. It should be purple because that's what color the bottle of true love was. But the bottle of the true love hairs. <laughs> well, let's check back in on our lovely. Do we have to? <laughs> Selena is not one for subtlety, and that includes her wardrobe. Just saying. Yeah, there's been a bit too much of some of that. This whole second half of the season, I haven't really been uh, impressed with how mm, well risque they're being. Let's put it this way. It's been a big season. Their budget has got to be stretched a little thin, and they keep having to come up with new costumes, but they just don't have all the material that they need. (laughs) That's my thing. Uh, she's not the first character on the nope. show, though, to You're be right. dressed she's in not. this manner. Like, even Regina and Belle have had some interesting concepts she's not, of fashion. But she was, you know, again, on the not-so-family-friendly side, she was, um, let's to put it delicately, making things obvious a little more even possibly than Ruby ever did. Right. <laughs> Now, one of the things that was brought up in this conversation between Zelina and Rumpel is Zelina had... Zena? <laughs> was that a Freudian <laughs> slip? 
<laughs> she offered to Rumple that, hey, we could go back and you could have Neil back. So, okay. Now that's on the table. He And he said, or never have given him up. Mm-hmm. Which, mm, yeah, then there's no show. Right. Period. Right. Like, none of it ever. She can't let him do that. Because let's think about that. I know where you're going. If he never gave up his son, then they lived happily ever after and died long before Zelina was ever born. So if being tutored by Rumple and used to cast his curse is part of her happy ever after, that never would have happened either. So she can't be planning to let him get that because it messes up the rest of her plans too. That's true. Hopefully he's smart enough to realize that. She really should aim higher. She just wants to be his puppet instead of Regina. That seems kind of... Low Amy. Mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. Go big or go home, Zelina. Well, (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, look what you're doing. Use it. Use it. uh, Think bigger. Think a little more outside the box. Rumpel was clever, though, because he knew that deep down Zelina still kind of liked him. And so he Mm -hmm. was manipulating that a little bit to try to get the dagger. But too bad it didn't work. Which I felt was clever of him. Mm -hmm. And I hoped I was rooting for him. As I was shielding my eyes. I know that that was one of the, that's definitely in my top three to five uncomfortable scenes on Once Upon a Time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure the previous Dark One never had these kinds of problems before. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in our chat rooms, Price of Magic, or in our forums, Price of Magic said, I think Rumpel should be the one to kill Zelina because he is the one that lost the most because of her. Charming lost his courage. Regina lost her heart. But Rumpel lost his son. Yeah, I I see the point that, yeah, she has, because of her, Neil died. Because yes. of her. Did well, he? Neil died oh, yes. because... He could not learn a lesson that he should have obviously known from his history with his father, and he tampered with dark magic. Yeah. But remember, it was Zelina who planted Lumiere there in order to tell Neil and Belle to go to that place. Yeah. But Lumiere didn't force Neil's hand. They gave, through, through devious circumstances, they gave him truth. That he handled the way he did. He made a choice, yeah. Belle figured out what was going to happen, even. They weren't even deceived about what would happen. He knew, to some degree. He was just like, I don't care if there's a price. Um, No disrespect, but dumb. Yeah. At best, she played on his desperation, and she was successful in her plan, but it took his choice. So we we kind of have here some unfortunately weak motives because Zelina didn't really make herself responsible for Neil. And I don't think that Ava was really now. I mean, somebody like Cora is still going to blame Ava. Yeah. So that at least makes a little bit more sense. But everybody directly blaming Zelina for Neil mm, doesn't make a lot of sense, but they also don't really know. I don't know how they know what happened. I don't think they do. They haven't gotten to spend enough time with gold to know 
And nobody else. Belle was there, but she doesn't remember. Oh, yeah. True. So maybe that's why they think of her as responsible. I don't know. Well, then joining our team, Regina and Snow, back as they're still cleaning up again and having another heart to heart again, even though that's not physically possible. <laughs> I think this was a pretty good makeup with them that they really came to an understanding with each other. Even this moment where Snow grabbed Regina's hand and kind of cradled it like. I understand you. I sympathize with you. And in some way, I think was Snow really kind of communicating, I forgive you mm-hmm. for your trying to kill me. We would have still fought, but I forgive you for what you did. And Regina kind of, you know, accepting the forgiveness, giving forgiveness as well. So it was nice to see them make amends like that. Yeah, uh, yeah it was. But I didn't like a lot of what I liked at <laughs> this scene. I don't know. There were some really great things that we heard and learned for example snow has a tough placenta that's just funny (laughs) (laughs) good to know not in the fairy tales um but also snow was not a brat i didn't like that sort of revisionist history snow was not a brat even in what they've shown us well not when she met regina no she was a bit of a brat before that snow yeah remember when uh Johanna mm-hmm. was trying on oh. her crown. Okay. Well, it was it was Princess Ava was yeah putting the crown on. Oh yeah, Johanna too. Yep. Yeah. Snow yeah. Grew up. So that was where we saw that Ava had changed, and she was teaching her daughter to be different. Right. So I do wonder what changed Ava, the- because that's a pretty drastic change from the Ava that we saw today to the Ava that they buried. It's kind of cool that they put that out there because I would like to see some of that story. And I don't know if that's a this season thing or next season, but we'll probably... Maybe season seven. Maybe. I, I also liked the line, you officially have a less damaging relationship with my mother than I do. And you killed her. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I think, uh, I think they definitely brought it up because they want to answer the question, what changed Ava? Mm-hmm. What's pretty cool here is that Regina is actually feeling, even though she doesn't have her heart, because she started crying Mm -hmm. here. And then after this, she goes to visit Robin, standing by a tree, (laughs) (laughs) K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Aww. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) So without her heart... She is feeling things with her whole soul, and she's able to. It seems like she's able to still love. And maybe this will be part of how she'll be able to defeat Zelina, is the fact that she she can use more than just her heart. Yeah. Yes, which is also against the rules that they've kind of already True. established for hearts, which could be because she's special, True. right? Um, what are they trying to say? Everybody else has a weak soul? I guess so. Because, like, Graham couldn't feel that he said that, right? Mm. Um, not in Once But in Wonder- Wonderland, the knave couldn't feel. Though he did have, like, fierce loyalty and he did still have a conscience. But he, he, he didn't act like Regina's acting. So maybe that is what makes her special. Mm. Now, Karis suggested... Uh, another 
idea to what will stop Regina. Karis said, I think that Zelina will succeed in getting all the ingredients, including the baby, but Regina's resilient heart will resist the spell. After all, Regina still kissed Robin and appeared to still feel for him even when she didn't have her heart. Also, I predict a Rumbell reunion in either the next episode or episode 20. No idea if they will or not. I just think they will. Yeah, so something is going to give here in that Regina will probably be the one to stop Zelina or Emma. Or, as is their custom, yes, both of them. It does seem to take the combination and they don't always seem to realize it until the last second, although I think they're preparing this time. It always seems weird to me that they don't acknowledge that the Blue Fairy has like a lot of magic as well, and that if the three of them were to get together... You're right. It's Yeah. But they'll just be like, Mm. we need Mother Superior, and then she'll be there in the end. Mother Superior. She's too busy pretending to be a nun to really help. (laughs) She's like, well... I'm just hiding the most powerful of the magic objects, sort of. Gold has them, but I have things like that dark wand and who knows what else. But I'll, you know, I'll be around. Where was Henry in this episode? Well, you know, he wasn't. He was mentioned. He was with the Blue Fairy. He was mentioned in this episode. And in fact, we got some feedback about that. Hi, guys. I'm BZ, a listener from India. I just wanted to comment on one thing. You realize this episode was exceptionally good in character development and humor and action. Actually, it had everything that makes one so beautiful and wonderful, except, of course, creepy (laughs) kissing between Rumpel and Zelina. You realize why? There was no Henry in it. Like, no mention, nothing. Now we know the secret to having a brilliant one episode. Thanks, guys. And Aww. you guys have an awesome podcast. Thank you. Thank you did please. mention Henry. Yeah, you know what I've noticed with once in particular, for some reason, people have, there are like fandoms around one character and then there are fandoms around ships. But there are whole, like, hate clubs for each character, and I don't understand. Everybody seems to have one character that they just want to die, and everybody else they're kind of cool with. But it's no one character that everybody hates. It's like... Everybody hates know. different characters. Yeah, it's it's sort of <laughs> strange and disturbing, but I guess whatever floats the Jolly Roger... Or- something i don't hate any character i'm just gonna put that out there i don't i don't think i do either anymore there was a time when i probably had it in for hook but (laughs) yes there was they've kind of especially now that bell's acknowledged such things well yes everyone hated tamara that's true (laughs) everyone kind of got their wish No, we got some general feedback from joel about a couple pictures that were in a couple different scenes here that some of the paintings on the walls were from Greek mythology and have some minor little connections to Once Upon a Time, but especially one particular connection uh, was, well, these are several connections between different scenes and different episodes where it's actually the same classic artist 
who did each of these things. And we'll have this full description because it's a lot of stuff I'm not going to read here. And we'll have some uh, pictures in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 145. But before we wrap up this podcast episode here, I want to again remind you that it, it does cost quite a bit to run the podcast. That's why I need your help. What do you have here? <laughs> what we have for you is a new way that you can support the podcast, and that is called Patreon. Patreon lets you pledge to donate a certain amount per episode, and you can set a monthly limit on it. But then that helps us to reach certain milestones and goals to raise certain funding to be able to do cool things like upgrade the chat room, which there is a much better chat room software out there that I'd love to switch to, but will cost an extra at least $50 per month, maybe even $100 per month just for the chat room. There are other things like we'd like to be able to live stream in high definition so you could see us better, maybe even have multiple cameras in here. But all Careful, of this... they may not send money now that you've said that. <laughs> all of this stuff. And so a new way that we're offering is called Patreon, but you can find out more information about that as well as our regular way of donating to the podcast over at oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Now we're finished here talking about this episode of Once Upon a Time, Bleeding Through, but you can continue the conversation in two places. That is in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 145 or in the forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums. We'd love to have your feedback after the next episode of Once Upon a Time. And to do that, email with the subject line using the episode title in the subject line to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website over at oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and we'll try and incorporate that voicemail into our podcast as much as we can. And please follow each of us on Twitter. You can follow the show on Twitter at oncepodcast and I'm Daniel J. Lewis on Twitter at the Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Aaron, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron J. Cruz. This podcast would not be possible without the help of some great people behind us and volunteering to help make the podcast possible and enjoyable. Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episode, Hunter Hathaway and Jacqueline for providing spoilers. You'll hear from them in just a moment. Jacqueline and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Jacob for help with screenshots, Keb for managing our timeline, Alias Scape, and Aaron J for moderating the chat room, and Jeremy, Aaron, Hunter, and Jacqueline for hosting the podcast all together, and for you being part of this great community. And remember, in two days, I will be a princess, and you will bow down and count yourself lucky to pull the weeds at my feet. And thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Big thanks to those who sponsored this episode of Once Podcast. If you'd like to donate, either through Patreon or through a one-time or automatic monthly donation, go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. Hi, Oncers. Hunter Hathaway here. And Jacqueline. 
And we've got your spoilers. Season 3, Episode 19, A Curious Thing, is directed by Ralph Hemlicker and written by Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Zelina threatens to kill Henry if Hook, whose lips have been cursed by the Wicked Witch, doesn't proceed with kissing Emma, which will drain her of all her magical powers, and things will begin to heat up between Regina and Robin Hood. Meanwhile, back in the fairy tale land that was, during the past year, Snow and Charming go in search of Galinda, the good witch of the South, to see if she can help them defeat Zelina. And the curse that will ultimately send the fairy tale characters back to Storybrooke is cast, but from an unlikely source. And then this episode, we've got Sarah Blogger back as Aurora, Sunny Maybray as Galinda, Julian Morris as Prince Philip, and Christopher Gathliar as Smee. Yeah, so we get to see Galinda. Yes! Very excited. She's in the promo. Mm-hmm. She's very blonde and wearing uh, sort of a silver dress. but Silver I'm, and white and... Yeah. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering how much help she's going to be because she says that she doesn't know if her magic is strong enough. And it looks like Snow and Charming go pay her a visit. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they're ba- it looks like they're back in Oz. I don't know how they got there, though. I don't either. It's it's very strange because they're in a sort of very snowy area. It's snowing yeah. a lot, and there's snow on the trees. And somehow they got to Oz, or Glinda got to them. I'm not sure. Well, I have read that we will be going back to Oz this season. And yes. that they had mentioned that Glinda was going to be there, and Dorothy... Yeah, and I I think we're probably going to see it, if we don't see it in this upcoming episode, then we're probably going to see it in the following episode, 320 Kansas, and... They talk about how the curse was being cast from an unlikely source. What if it's her? That is a theory that's going around, that it's going to be Glinda, um, that she might sacrifice maybe Dorothy, um, or maybe even herself. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was interesting. I'm kind of leaning toward either Hook being tricked into casting it somehow. Or there's also the theory that because Rumple and Neil share a body, they can sacrifice one of those hearts and cast the curse that way. Okay. Very cool. But we'll definitely find out. So thank heavens because it's been a long wait. Yes, because we do see Charming collapses while someone appears to be working on a sort of, of spell, but we don't know who it is. Like, I watched that promo like 50 <laughs> times. I paused it right there, and you cannot tell who it is. Right, and we know that Aurora and Philip are obviously coming back for this episode, and mm-hmm. I think they're going to be explaining to Snow and Charming exactly what Zelina wants with their baby. Yeah, because we do see in the promo yes. that Aurora is saying that Zelina wants your child. and Right, and there's also this really creepy moment where Zelina in Enchanted Forest of the Lost Year is touching Snow's stomach and says this baby will do quite nicely. Yes, very strange. Very so, creepy. Lots of answers in this upcoming episode, I think. Yes. And Zelina starts to turn kind of evil because she does talk how she wants to start killing people or she may have to start killing people. Henry. <laughs> I know, because she threatens his life. And I, she, she sends a flying monkey. Yeah. She, a flying monkey attacks Hook, Smee, and Henry. So you know that has to be in Storybrooke. Yes, and 
in the promo, it looks like she might be holding on to Henry and there's some kind of big white light. Yeah. There's also some big fire, too. Yeah. Yeah, we saw the fire. I don't know what that is. That was weird. Yeah. This episode's (laughs) going to probably answer a lot of questions and probably move really quickly. I agree. Because there's only four episodes left in the season and there's still a lot of story to tell. And for those of you that like Hook and Emma, if you're a Captain Swan shipper, chances are you're going to get another kiss this episode. Not for sure, but I think you will. Well, he is cursed, so, (laughs) and he has to do it to save Henry. So probably, yeah. Well, that's all I have on this week's episode, but I did find out some stuff on next week's episode. How about you? Same. Okay. What is your news for next week's episode? Well, there is an article that just came out from E! Online, and it is the first look at Snow and Charming uh, and their new baby. It looks like the baby is going to be born in 320 episode Kansas, and I'm pretty sure it's a boy. Yes. We still don't know 100% sure yet. The baby is wrapped in a yellow blanket. So kind of general neutral, not pink, not blue. So it could be either. So people are making predictions about names already, but I I do think that there's one picture where the baby's a little bit more exposed than you would have a baby girl be, so I, I think it's probably going to be a boy. Okay, very cool. So Emma might have a little brother. A little brother, yes. Yes. And then, do you have anything else for next episode? Just one more. Uh, TV Line just came out with a very small preview for 320. It's just one picture and a little bit of a plot synopsis, but it's that we're probably going to be seeing Dorothy in that episode. There is a picture of a girl in a blue and white checkered dress, but you cannot see her face, which is, which is frustrating. <laughs> but yes, because we don't have any casting news on that. I've none, not found right. any. Yeah, it's, yeah, I know nothing about 320 outside of this one photograph. It's frustrating but um and the pictures of the baby (laughs) right but it's a girl in a blue and white checkered gown and she's talking to glinda so it looks like glinda's coming back and she's talking to zelina who is not green okay so that either before she turned green or after the curse has been cast it's yeah it's a very strange picture because zelina and glinda both are wearing that giant necklace in this in the scene but their uh necklaces are both white and normally zelina's is green very very strange (laughs) yeah so i'm not entirely sure when this takes place in the timeline but i also have found some news that princess abigail will be back who is played by anastasia griffith also known as Catherine nolan david's wife during the when he was in the coma Mm -hmm. phase and it looks like she's all dressed up, and I'm thinking it's going to be the Enchanted Forest. So Yeah, she looks like she's wearing a tiara. Yes, and her, sure, her sleeves were like the big princessy sleeves that you normally see. So I'm not sure if it's for 320. It might be for 321, the episode Snow Drifts, but she is coming back. Did you have any other fun spoilers for us tonight? That's all I have. And that's all I have tonight. So, I guess, Oncers, that's it for tonight. I'm Hunter Hathaway. You can follow me on Twitter at Bit of Pixie Dust. I'm Jacqueline, and you can follow me on Twitter at Punk underscore Bunny underscore 87. Until next time. (laughs) 